Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson, and today I am once again joined by the show's co-host and producer, Joe Armstrong. Joe, what are we going to talk about today? Hello, Jessica. Today we were going to fill all of you in on one breaking news topic that involves abortion rights and the Supreme Court. And we were also going to remind you a little bit about how the Supreme Court decides which cases to take and how it makes its decisions. What is that case, Jessica? Abortion is a hot button issue, especially since the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. But there is a new challenge to the 48-year-old decision. So, Jessica, what happened this week? Did the court actually make any decisions that will appreciably change the situation? No and yes. The court made a decision to take a big case that absolutely could threaten Roe versus Wade. So what happened this week is the court said there's this Mississippi law. It has not been put into effect. Lower courts have struck it down. What does the Mississippi law do? It basically bans all abortions after 15 weeks. There's a challenge to that law that was brought by, let me add, I think the only clinic in Mississippi that is licensed to perform abortions, and the court is going to hear this challenge. Now, why do I say it's an attack on that 1973 decision that we all know, Roe versus Wade, and frankly, the updated standard, the new case that really, quote unquote, clarified Roe versus Wade, the 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, because those cases tell us that pre-viability, which is typically set at about 24 weeks into a pregnancy, pre-viability, states cannot implement laws that are a, quote, undue burden on a woman's ability to obtain access to an abortion. This law almost bans all abortions after 15 weeks, which obviously is before 24 weeks, before that line of viability. So if the court does uphold this law, then it really would be overturning a big part of those two decisions that are the foundation of our abortion jurisprudence, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So that's why this law never went into effect, because the lower court said, look, this law goes against Roe and Casey, and so we can't implement it. We're not the Supreme Court. What happened today is we know that there were at least four votes on the Supreme Court, and we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. At least four votes is what you need for the members of the court decide to take a case. So we will hear this case in the fall. It might be a year, listeners, before we actually have a decision in this case. Right, Jessica, that's a very important detail. We are talking about this today, but the court will not hear this case until fall. We won't hear the result until the end of the session next year. And worthy of note here, passing judgment listeners, we have an upcoming episode with Mary Ziegler. She is a professor and author who has written several books on abortion rights, and she will go into much greater detail about the history and context of this subject. But for now, Jessica, let's focus on this particular case for a moment. Remind us how this specific case got to the Supreme Court. Yes, absolutely. So Mississippi enacted this law in 2018, and I think they really passed it 
knowing that it was going to be subject to challenge. And they passed it as, I think, a test case to try and overturn Roe versus Wade. The law is really intended to try and overturn those cases that found that the Constitution protects the right to obtain an abortion pre-viability. Again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about 1973 Roe versus Wade, a watershed case where the court decides that the right to obtain an abortion is a constitutionally protected right in some circumstances. And then again, in 1992, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, where the court reaffirms the essential holding of Roe and where they talk about that undue burden test. Again, pre-viability, states cannot place an undue burden on a woman's constitutionally protected right to obtain an abortion. So what happens in this case, as we said, the only licensed abortion provider in the state sues. The two lower courts, the Federal District Court and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, both say this law isn't going into effect. It goes against Roe and Casey. So what happened is It was then applied up to the Supreme Court. Mississippi asked the Supreme Court to weigh in on the law last summer. And they asked the Supreme Court, one of the questions was, will you rule on whether pre-viability abortion bans are unconstitutional? And they also asked the court a couple of other questions, like whether the courts should consider a state's interest, like protecting the health of mothers when considering these pre-viability bans and whether abortion providers have a right to challenge these restrictions and of standing in the shoes of their patients. And the clinics here said, don't weigh in Supreme Court. And we've seen this in a couple of areas like abortion and gun rights, where you know, a challenger wins below and they know that this is a really conservative Supreme Court. And they're basically saying, please, Supreme Court, don't take this up. We do not want to hear from you. And the justices then put this case off for a long time. They considered it in their conference back on January 8th, 2021. Again, two days after the insurrection, the first time they considered this case. And the reporting by a fantastic website called SCOTUS Blog, reporting is apparently that the justices considered the petition 12 times before they announced this week that they would, in fact, hear the case. So they granted certification on just the first of those three questions we talked about. Again, the questions are the question being, are all bans on pre-viability abortions unconstitutional? I think the way that question is phrased, the court is going to say no. And they will say that not all bans on pre-viability, not all restrictions on pre-viability abortions are unconstitutional. We just don't know how much is going to fall within that no bucket. And Joe, that's what we're not going to know probably until a year from now. A lot of uh, bated breath waiting around for that year, Jessica. So this was a very long, winding and circuitous road to the Supreme Court. It certainly seems like a huge case for the reasons you talked about. But we also have some recent Supreme Court decisions in terms of abortion. Can you please remind us about those decisions and what they might mean for this particular case? Yes. So I'll talk about two decisions uh, dealing with laws that are essentially identical, one from Texas and one from Louisiana. But the thing for listeners to know is that before 
Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. The chief justice was in the middle of the court and he was key to these decisions. And his decisions really hinged on something called the doctrine of stare decisis. And they hinged on whether the court had already made a similar decision. So let's talk about what I'm talking about. Last year in 2020, the court struck down a Louisiana law. And Joe, you and I talked about this when we first started the podcast. The court struck down a Louisiana law that required doctors who perform abortions to have admitting privileges at area hospitals. That case was called June Medical, and the court struck down that law by a vote of five to four, with Chief Justice John Roberts joining the liberals. But when he joined the liberals, he only joined in a concurrence, meaning he didn't join with the reasoning of the majority. And he basically said, hey, I'm only here because of a decision we made in 2016. I would have voted the other way, but in 2016, we voted to strike down one of these laws. So what he's talking about is that the Louisiana law at issue in 2020 was almost identical to a Texas law that the court had struck down a few years before in 2016. That case was called Whole Woman's Health, and that was a five to three decision. Why five to three? Because that was the term where Justice Antonin Scalia had passed away in February, and that seat was held vacant for the rest of the term. So Justice Breyer wrote that decision, and again, that was a five to three decision where the court struck down the law. So what happens in 2020 when basically the same law comes up, but it's just Texas's law? you have the chief justice saying, I'm stuck here. I would have voted the other way. And in fact, in 2016, I did vote the other way, but now I'm stuck. And now, of course, we have a Supreme Court that is a six to three conservative majority. And Chief Justice John Roberts doesn't stand in the middle of the court anymore. These conservatives don't need him anymore. So what are we looking at? I think we're looking at a situation where it is entirely possible that Mississippi's law could be upheld, that there could be a almost complete unraveling of the Roe versus Wade decision. I don't think it's a done deal, but I absolutely think it's possible. So Jessica, after all that, is there any chance this case may not go as expected? Yeah, there is a chance. Um, Again, how does a court decide to take a case You need four members of the court to decide to grant something called certiorari. And that means we're going to hear this case. We're going to hear it in oral arguments. There'll be full briefing. And then we will write a full opinion. And, you know, we'll release that decision at about uh, 7 a.m. Pacific time or 10 a.m. Eastern time, oftentimes uh, at the end of June. But it takes five votes to get to a majority. So, you know, there is a possibility that there were only four votes to take the case and there aren't five votes to uphold the Mississippi law. I think that's probably not likely because if the court wasn't really going to do anything here, it makes sense to just send the case back and say the lower courts have already made their decision. Now, maybe there are four conservative justices here who are really trying to push this case and really trying to push the point and force the court to make a decision. 
So Joe, that's a really long way of saying, I don't think the court takes this case unless it's prepared to uphold Mississippi's law, but a lot could happen in between then. Uh, There are always ways for the court to try and make a more narrow decision, always ways for the court to kick it back to the lower courts. We've seen this happen before. And let's remember the politics of this is that a decision could likely come if it comes in June 2022, that really is leading right up to the midterms in 2022. So it'll be a big point of discussion in those midterms. It surely will. So if these things come to pass, Jessica, if the court does overturn Roe versus Wade, what does that mean for women in blue states like New York and California that do not have restrictive abortion laws? Yeah, it's such an important question. And Joe, something you and I have talked about, which is that these Supreme Court decisions essentially determine whether or not states can implement restrictive laws, but not whether or not states can have more permissive laws. So we uh, record these episodes. We both live in Los Angeles. In states like California and states like New York, um, those states are not going to implement restrictive laws. And so women in those states, I don't want to say they're unaffected by this decision, but they're not affected as deeply as women who are in other states where there are restrictive laws that in fact have been struck down, but depending on what the court does, could be upheld. And Jessica, what about the inverse? What does it mean or what would it mean for women in red states? How will their excess change or how would their excess change? Yeah. I mean, one really important thing to remember is that for a lot of women now who are living in red states, in states where there are already pretty restrictive laws, they are already in a situation where it can be very difficult to obtain access to an abortion. So what would a decision by the Supreme Court mean if they decided to uphold this particular Mississippi law? It would mean that in a lot of states, and again, this is hypothetical, There, we, this is not a done deal, but that you're very close to pre-1973, pre-Roe, where it's basically up to the states to determine Um, whether or not there will be access to an abortion. And we know who this disproportionately falls on. It disproportionately falls on disadvantaged women, on women who are disadvantaged as a result of socioeconomic conditions. Um, And uh, that is, you know, it's just one of the many ways that we see inequality play out in our country. And, um, And that's why so many people will be watching this particular case. And that's why, Joe, you and I wanted to get on the computer and help walk through, go behind the headlines, so to speak, and help walk through what happened. So we thank everybody for listening. The things we talk about on Passing Judgment have real effects on people's lives. And so thank you so much for paying attention. And please do let us know how are we doing? What else do you want us to talk about? You can find Joe on Twitter and on Instagram at Day. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. I've been doing some reels now where I kind of preview in 30 seconds what our episodes are about. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. The social media news of the week, Joe, is I didn't tell you this. I don't know if you've heard, 
but I got a 10 out of 10 on Room Raider today. And I was talking about this very topic on CBS News. So, Joe, have I left you speechless? That is big news. I am rarely speechless, Jessica. But I also saw your room, and it looked pretty nice to me. You've got nice, balanced colors. You've got, you know, you know it's nice furniture when you call it a piece. So you have a nice piece back there in the background. So I wish I could say my studio was as nice as yours, but I have fancier wires and microphones than you do. So I suppose it all balances <laughs> out, Jessica. As I like to say, I always I love these conversations with you, Jessica. Thank you for taking the time to doing this. Thank you for keeping everyone up to speed and, and keeping everyone informed. And thank you also to our listeners for your support. We really couldn't do this without you. So please have a great day, everyone. Take care. Take care.